My dear listeners, I hope today is going amazing for you. Join me on my podcast as I share stories of people just like you who made bold decisions in their lives and in turn, they live their dreams. As they say, it's up to you to make it happen. This show is sponsored by BioMental, all natural nutritional supplements for your daily needs. Always stay healthy, strong and focused, and the rest will follow. To learn more, go to biomental.org. Hello everyone, today we're meeting Dave Alvin. He is a firework master uh, instructor, also a coach, a speaker, and a sobriety mentor. Hello, Dave. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Anna. I'm really excited to be here with the Intern Podcast. Thank you. So let's just start with conversation uh, when we're diving into your personal journey of becoming the person you are today. What led you to discover your true passion in life? I didn't know that this is something you want to do. Well, I didn't either. <laughs> it just, you know, it evolved. One thing just kind of led to another. Um, I, you know, I was born uh, in Hollywood, California. I was born to a single mom and she had two other sons from a different father. And, you know, she was, uh, she was working in, as a server at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood. And she really couldn't afford us, uh, all three of us. She couldn't, and we were living with my grandmother. And so it was really, really hard on her. So she, what she decided to do is an act of love. She put me up for adoption <clears throat> and her sister, which would have been my aunt and uncle by, by birth, um, they adopted me when I was five years old. And then when I was 11 years old, after moving from Hollywood, California to Long Beach, California, uh, both Bob and Pat um, Albin started drinking. I don't know what triggered it. It, it just it just happened. And, and at, at the same time, they set me down on the first day of summer in 1964 and said, David, we need to tell you something. And that what they told me was, we're not your parents. So that was very confusing to me at 11 years old. And then I'm watching them drinking. And so my whole lifestyle changed. My whole life took a, took a hard right turn at that point. And there, from there, Anna, what happened was is that they were gone one day and I went to where they were hiding or not hiding, where, where the alcohol was. And I pulled out this bottle and it was brandy. And I wanted to know what was going on because I saw this huge life change and these two amazing people who were treating me wonderfully and that kind of started to subside. There was a lot of fighting. There was just, you know, there was chaos because of the alcoholism. And so I poured it in a cup and I drank it at the age of 11 years old. And I never had a chance. I mean, literally, I believe that I was an alcoholic right on the spot. I, it was like pouring rocket fuel into my body. And it was just, it was unbelievable. And I, and, you know, again, I was hooked right there. I never drank normally, like, you know, people grow up, you know, they have a glass of wine or whatever. And I never had any of that. I, I wanted more. I, 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 I was, I was addicted to how it made me feel. I, I, you know, I was trying to chase or avoid pain and pleasure. And I was trying to get pleasure or avoid pain with it. And it just continued to dominate my life. I, that led to hard drugs. So by the time I was 30, in my early 30s, 
I was addicted to heroin, cocaine, alcohol, cigarettes. It was a mess. And I woke up one morning on June 8th of 1988 and I said, that's it. I'm done. I am not doing this anymore. I was in so much physical and emotional and spiritual pain as well that I, I said, I, I think my only option here is to put a bullet in my head. I, I didn't know any other way out. And when you're in that kind of emotional pain, you just want it to stop. Plus the physical pain. You know, physical withdrawals from alcohol is just intense. It's horrible. You can actually go into what's called delirium tremors, which will cause cardiac arrest. It'll kill you. And I didn't know any of that. All I know is I wanted the pain to stop. So I grabbed my pistol. I loaded it. I put it in my mouth. And just, I, you know, within a second of going to pull the trigger, I realized something. And that was, if I do that, my family, I was married to a woman at the time who had three kids. And I'm thinking, wow, they're, this is, they're going to suffer for this. They're going to see this. This, this is going to be horrible for them. They're going to have to go to school. This is, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be awful. And that's not fair. I can't do that to them. So then I kind of struggled with doing it in the basement to going outside to doing it, you know, out in the woods somewhere, but it's still going to be the same thing. There's, they may not physically see the aftermath of that, but they're still going to have to deal with it. And that's, and I guess it was that moment of compassion that I ended up calling Alcoholics Anonymous instead. And they sent a man to come pick me up. And from there, I, it stuck. I, I, you know, since June 8th, 1988, I haven't had a drink or a drug. So alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous definitely saved my life. And the other thing it did is, you know, you have the 12 steps of AA, and those are the steps that help put your life back together. They have the 12 traditions, which is incorporating how the group uh, operates as a whole. And, and it also helps you with your life as well. And what happened with AA is it, that's what led me to the personal development industry. And I was up late one night. I was up late all the time, actually. My sleep patterns were all over the place. And so I'm up at three o'clock in the morning and there's a guy by the name of Tony Robbins and there he was back in the you know, late 1980s, 88, 89. <clears throat> and he was selling a program called Personal Power. And it came on little white things. I always jokingly say uh, uh, called cassette tapes. And so I bought his program. Uh, they sent it to me. I, I unboxed it. I plugged in the tapes. I started working the program. I did it for 30 days. And I did what the man taught me to do. And it worked. And then that led me into, again, the per, little deeper into the personal development industry. And, and then from there, <clears throat> in 1995, which is like seven years later, I had loaned my program to a friend of mine that, that was also in, in AA. And he went through it. And he called me seven years later. And he, he called me on the phone. He said, hey, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to town? And I said, no, I had no idea. And he goes, yeah. He goes, dude, come on, let's go. You know, let's go see this guy. You got me into this after all. So, you know, you got to go with me. And so we did. Um, and uh, we, you know, he actually made all the arrangements. He called me back and he said, okay, it's done. I got you the ticket um, and you can pay me back. And I was, and I said, well, how much is the ticket? He said, $700. I was like, this is in 1995, right? Mm -hmm. So $700 is like $7,000 today. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, so here's what they, they gave us very specific instructions. Number one, um, be prepared to spend a lot of time in the room, bring snacks, mm -hmm. hydrate, drink a lot of water. You're going to need to stay hydrated, bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. And I said, mm -hmm. Dan, I just spent 700 bucks. I'll play full out. And just as he's getting ready to get off the phone, Anna, he goes, oh, by the way, we're going to be doing a fire walk. And I remember thinking, going, what? I'm going through this in my head. I'm not saying anything, but I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. That's insane. And you know what's interesting, Anna, about that is that I didn't even really know what a fire walk meant. I didn't have any references for it. I, I didn't know what one was. But I just knew it sounded pretty crazy, pretty dangerous, and I'm not going to do it. So I just made a decision right there on the spot. No. Well, the next thing you know, it's, it's you know, the day of the event. And so we get there and we get in, we're seated, and Tony takes the, the stage at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, the next thing I know, it's after midnight. Mm -hmm. We've been in a room with 3,500 people for 10 hours with Tony Robbins. Wow, that's crazy. It is. It was insane. And and what he's doing the whole time is preparing you for the firewalk. Mm. <clears throat> well, he gets to, we get about to midnight and now it's ready, right? We're ready to go do this firewalk, 3,500 people. And all of a sudden, Tony says, take your shoes off. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. No, 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 I'm not, you're not going to trick me. I'm not going to take my shoes off. Well, I'm looking around at everybody else and guess what they're doing? They're taking their shoes off. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, if I don't take my shoes off, then all these other people are gonna know that I'm a coward and we can't have that. So I said, well, just fake it. Just, just take your shoes off and you can pretend like you're gonna go out there and do this. And then you can just go hide somewhere, go hide in the back somewhere. So as soon as you go outside, Tony's got the ambiance set for you because when you're walking out there, he's got you chanting and everybody's clapping their hands. Yes, yes, yes. And I am walking out there going, no, 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 uh-uh, we are not doing this. Well, as soon as you get outside, you can hear the drums. He's literally got African drummers outside in the parking lot. And so when you get out there, it's Dun 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 dun. dun. And your <laughs> shoes are off, and and you're like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me! And mm -hmm. over it, it's this giant parking lot, and remember, I'm with 3,500 people at this event, right? So over in the corner of this big giant parking lot, they've got a huge fire. It's massive. It's probably 40 feet long, and it must be 12 to 15 feet wide. It's massive. And they probably started it at about three o'clock in the afternoon and it's been burning all day and all night. And what it does, it just renders. So it burns down, burns down, burns those and it renders the coals. Well, what they did with 3,500 people was they would take wheelbarrows, they would load the coals into a wheelbarrow and then they'd take a wheelbarrow and they put two lanes of sod of grass on both sides of these wheelbarrows. And so the lane is about, Oh, maybe three feet wide, 18 feet long. Uh -huh. And then and they just took shovels and they shoveled the coals out onto the grass. And mm -hmm. that's what you walked on. Well, I'm hiding in the back. 
because I'm not doing this, right? So I'll go, I'll just go hide in the back. Nobody's going to know. Well, of course, somebody's going to know. I'm going to know, <clears throat> right? Well, well, here's the interesting thing. Um, you think that's a pretty good idea, right? To, to, to get away from this? Not so much. Why? Because Tony's people know where all the cowards are, mm. right? So Tony trains people to go get them because Tony knows. He realizes this is going to be probably one of the most profound top 10 experiences in your life. You know, a, a, a real paradigm shift experience here. And if you, and if you research firewalking, it's been around a thousand years. It's mm -hmm. been used by cultures everywhere. The Fahitians, oh my gosh, the people of India, they use it all the time. People of Portugal, Venezuela, um, uh, the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the Indo-Europeans, the Native American Indians here in America. I mean, it's been around a long, long time for and uses a whole host of different reasons, right? Rite of passage, ceremonial, graduations, all kinds of different things. Tony basically is, is using it for a motivational moment because he knows if he can get you across the fire, then if you can walk on calls and you can do it successfully and not hurt yourself, then the question is, what else can you do? Well, again, I'm hiding in the back. Well, here comes this guy. And out of nowhere, he makes eye contact with me. Mm -hmm. and, and they're trained. Once you make eye contact with them, don't take your eyes off of them. Mm -hmm. And so now this guy's staring at me and he's walking right at me. And he gets probably 20, 25 feet away from me. And he's looking at me and he kind of leans in and he goes, are you okay? you know, very concerned, you know, uh, tonality to his, to his voice. And, and when we're not okay, what do we say? We say the opposite, right? We say, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm good here. Yeah, no problem. You know, we're all good over here, buddy. And all of a sudden he says, oh, great. He goes, so are you going to walk tonight? And I, I was almost like, I was, you know, kind of ticked off at it. I kind of went, I went, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I'm not doing this. And he goes, and he was really congruent because he goes, well, that's no problem. He goes, hey, man, it's cool. We don't want you to do anything that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember thinking, wow, okay, I like this guy. He's going to get me out of here. And then he asked me a question, Anna. One stranger. I do not know who this guy is to this day. And, he, and here's what he asked me. He said, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? Because I'm, I'm 100 yards from where they're doing it. I've got 3,500 people in front of me. I can't see anything. And he said, well, you know, you're not going to be able to see anything from way back here. Just go get in line, right? And eventually, you'll be able to see it. Now, he's telling the truth. He's, he's not exaggerating. I went, okay, well, that makes sense. I'll go do that. I'm not going to walk, but I'll just get up there closer so I can watch. So I get in line and kind of walking along. And the next thing I know, this guy comes up and he whispers in my ear. And he said, he knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. And I went, what? And this guy just disappeared into the night. And I'm like, what was that? And right. So now I get to a certain point. I still can't see in front of me at all, but I can see at an angle. And I'm looking and Anna, they're doing it. They're walking on fire. They're walking on these hot coals. And it's every, every type of person in life, every race, every creed, every color, it didn't matter. They were actually doing it. Now, I've never seen anything like this in my life, right? So my brain's just going nuts. I don't know what, you know, what, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? What's the metaphor? You know, are these people crazy? Are they nuts? 
And so I'm just, you know, my brain is just going on and on and on. And so now I'm watching them again. I can't see in front of me, but I can see at the angle and I'm mm -hmm. watching and I'm watching and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in disbelief. It's fascinating, right? You can't take your eyes off of it. Yeah. And I'm walking along and I'm walking along and guess what? Boom. Next thing I know, guess where I am? On the calls. <laughs> I'm, I, well, I'm at the front of the line, right? I'm right there in a the moment and I'm looking down. And I'm looking at these calls and you can feel the heat coming off and it's everybody's going, yes, yes. And the drums are dun, 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 dun. And I'm looking down and I am freaking out. Mm -hmm. I mean, my heart, it feels like it's pounding so hard. Feels, you know, when you're scared, you know how your heart pumps, right? And, and, and I'm thinking my heart's going to jump out of my chest and I'm staring into the abyss. There's a lane there and you can see the calls they are bright red, the wheelbarrows there and you can feel the heat coming off. And the next thing I know, there's a trainer standing there and he goes, eyes up. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Jeez. I pull my eyes up, right? You're in a room for 10 hours with Tony Robbins. Guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your, keep your eyes up, right? Don't stare at what you fear. Look to the celebration end. And so now my eyes are up and he goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went stronger. And I went, Yes. And so he knows I'm leaving a lot on the table. He knows I'm not in a peak state. He can tell my physiology and my tonality, right? And he screams at me. He's like, stronger! You know? He's like <laughs> right in my face. And so now I'm mad. And I screamed at the top of my lungs and I threw my hands in the air and I'm like, yes! And he goes, go, go, go! I took off. And so he positions two people at the end of the firewalk. And they, they, inter they interlock hands, right, to stop you. And these two guys whisper in my ear, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. And so I started wiping my feet. And all of a sudden, I go, oh, my gosh, I burnt myself really bad. I can feel my feet are definitely burnt. And I look at my lift. I lift up my left foot and I look at it. It's dirty. But you know what, Anna? There's no burns. Oh, it's my other foot. I look at my right foot. It's really dirty. But there's no burns. And so now I'm looking back and I'm going, what? Mm -hmm. I had just, I had just walked on coals, right? You love mm -hmm. this. Cause this is, I think, I think a lot of us do this sometimes in our life. And that is, you know, we do something and it's absolutely extraordinary. We do an unbelievable job and we don't really know how we did it. Well, that's what just happened. I just walked on coals, hot coals, thousand degrees, didn't burn myself. <laughs> and I don't have the first clue how I did it. Well, here's the first thing I learned about firewalking when I'm, I'm standing there, you know, and, you know, all the people and it's all going on. I just did it. I felt such exhilaration from that. I felt like I had really accomplished something in my life. But the first thing I learned about firewalking, when I took that first step, here's what I learned. Oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth, right? You just don't go stand there, right? You keep moving. And it's such a strong metaphor for life. When we want to do something in life, you know, it's all about the, making the decision to rule out any other possibility and then taking that first step, right? Mm -hmm. Starting, starting a business, look mm -hmm. at, you know, starting your podcast. I mean, look at your podcast, Anna. I mean, look yeah. what intern has done. Look what it's providing people. You're creating this amazing space for people where it's safe and they can come and they, and, and they learn together collectively. And that's really, really powerful. And so, you know, kind of, so that moment for the firewalk told me, okay, if I can walk on coals that are a thousand degrees, what else can I do? What else have I told myself I can't do? 
What have I lied to myself about, right? Because fear is a liar. Fear will take everything from you. And if you don't learn to overcome your fears, then those become your limits. And that's exactly why Tony Robbins used the firewalk on day one, because this is a four-day event. And he wants you across those coals that night. Well, yes, that night was extraordinary. Again, one of the, one of the top experiences of my life. But for me, here's where it gets really, really interesting, was mm -hmm. the next day. So we come, to, we come to the event. We're standing in the foyer. There's 3,500 people. We're getting ready to go into the venue. And I had never seen or witnessed anything like it. People were getting along humanistically, unlike anything I'd ever seen. It was so incredible. People were laughing. They were crying. You could tell the tone. They were talking to each other. They were communicating at such a high humanistic level. They were telling their stories. They were talking about the firewalk. They were talking about how it made them feel. And, and so the vibration of this area was intense. And I remember thinking, what the hell? What? What's going on? I mean, did we drink the Kool-Aid last night? <laughs> right? I mean, did the firewalk do this? Did this create this incredible connection between all of us because we experienced something together so incredible? And the answer was yes, absolutely. So I fell in love with the whole process right there on the spot. Well, I found out later that Tony uses about 300 volunteers for every event, and he uses about 60 to 70 people that are literally called the fire team that are outside, and they're the fire building team. That's all they do. They stay out there all day, prepare it so that when we come out at midnight as a participant, everything's done for us. And so these volunteers, I found out I, I could become a volunteer. All I had to do was fill out an application and apply. And if I was accepted, I'd get to come back and be part of that. And I was really attracted to that. And I did. And once I got there and I got accepted to be a volunteer, you, know, you, you fill out a, a form that tells about who you are, what you do for a living, where do you live, all these mm -hmm. kinds of things. Well, at the time, I lived on a farm in, in Virginia. And so I, you know, I knew how to drive a tractor and I, you know, I had log splitting equipment. And, and so I knew all the kind of stuff. I knew how to use all kinds of tools. And so they literally put me on, on the fire team. In addition to that, I had a security background and, and a military background. So that, that led me to them asking me to come help with some of Tony's celebrities to help take care of them. So I was doing two things. I got on the security team as part of the detail. And then I also got on the fire building team. Well, if I move this forward to 2003, that's when Tony offered me the job to take over all of his firewalks globally. Mm -hmm. um, and I accepted the position that was in 2003. And in fact, Tony also paid for my family to travel mm -hmm. with us on the road. So we were, my wife and I at the time were, were homeschooling our kids. And so my kids literally got to go on the road with Tony Robbins and travel all over the world. In fact, their, their first event was in mm -hmm. Sydney, Australia. Well, the story doesn't stop there. In 2005, Tony and I and the team went to London and we set a world record. The biggest firewalk that we know of in world history. 
which was 12,300 people. Now, I do want to disclose, Guinness Book was not there. But to my knowledge, that is absolutely the biggest firewalk that's ever been done on this planet. Again, it was 12,300 people. That was in 2005. And in 2014, um, I, I connected with Google, or Google connected with us, I should say. And they, they hired me to come to Mountain View uh, and put on an event for them. And that's, that's when the light bulb went off for me, where I realized that creating these types of paradigm shift corporate team building experiences, there was a huge marketplace for it. So in 2014, Firewalk Productions and Firewalk Adventures was created. And shortly after that, Anna, after I was at Google, I was at NASA, and then Notre Dame, and then Virginia Tech, Microsoft, Heineken, Remax, Chick-fil-A, and, and, the, and the list of companies has, has grown. And, you know, here we are. Here I am today on, on the intern podcast with you, right? So it's been a very, very uh, incredible and exciting career. Yes, and see how it started for you. Everything started with a small cassette that you decided right. to listen. What if you didn't? It's always about small choices that we make along the way exactly. and see how it unfolds and being able to kind of like witness for yourself how your life, uh, you know, unravels and becomes something bigger. And only if you decided to take responsibility of creating that life for yourself, creating those experiences and build relationship with people also. Uh, with you first being on a fire team, that uh, led you to discover your own talent and the way you can serve others when you start in your own company and now with those experiences when you uh, offer people to uh, you know how can you team build right like those type of uh, feelings that even you experience at first time right yeah, yeah. when you see how people connected to each other how it raised their vibration their overall well-being and uh, the feeling that they have for themselves and now they see what they can do that's something that is valuable and a lot of people should be um you know thinking about how they can offer that to their employees in the corporate setting right so absolutely it really is life-changing and not only it's good personally for each one of the uh, participants but as a team uh, now you can kind of connect more and relate more in terms of uh, finding you know the common purpose for the company as well and uh I'm so glad to see you evolve into that version of yourself because I know it's been hard for you. You struggled, uh, you know, with different issues in your life, but um, you found courage to face those fears and you really saw for what they are when you start walking on the fire calls and you saw how, you know, they just disappeared over time because what we don't realize that Fear is an illusion, but we buy into that. People 100%. 100%. It's hard to really get out of that negative thinking cycle where we put ourselves down when we don't believe in our own skills and abilities, when we right. don't see what we can do. 
it's it's it, you you nailed it absolutely because it's the fears we don't overcome that become our limits mm -hmm. and and for me there was a there was a there was it was a revelation and an evolution that all kind of came in at the same time one of those was i kind of got to that point where i kind of realized the two most important times in my life was the moment i was born and the moment i figured out why mm -hmm. and that why came from realizing that I could be part of something so spectacular that would serve human beings at a really, really high level. And I've also come to learn because of, you know, the personal development industry and a lot of my mentors is that if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll always get what you want in life. It's a universal code, right? Because when I got to AA, that's where it really, really took hold for me. Because I, I had such a huge responsibility. Because when a new person walks through that door, I wanted, I became and developed, I wanted to become a gatekeeper. So I was there to greet them, mm. talk to them, ask them what's going on, help navigate, you know, into the program, teach them the steps, get them the literature, get them to start coming back to meetings on a regular basis. Right. Because, again, you have the 12 steps that will help put your life back together. You have the 12 traditions that incorporate, you know, your life and, and AA as as a as a unit. And in the middle there, Anna, there's what's called the preamble. And the preamble says this. When anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. Mm. And I went, oh, man because my life had been handed back to me. I was that close to putting a bullet in my head. And if it wasn't for AA, I, I wouldn't have made it. You and I would not be having a conversation. And so what, what that's done again now, right, is, is it's, it's allowed me to influence hundreds of thousands of people. One little, you know, what is it, four seconds? Is that how long it lasts to walk across those coals? How do you change your life in four seconds? And, you know, you said something that really, really resonated with me. And that is as a business owner or an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. one of the one of the many things that they're responsible for is their culture and creating a mindset around their vision and their mission statement. So every entrepreneur and business owner, every CEO is responsible for encouraging their people. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Well, especially coming out of COVID, right? Oh my gosh, people are all over the place. Uh, you know, we've never seen so much dissension between people that we have because of COVID. You know, people gonna wear a mask, people that don't wanna wear a mask, people that got a vaccine, people said, no, I don't wanna get a vaccine. Uh, people that, you know, love Donald Trump. Well, some people hate Donald Trump. Some people uh, love Joe Biden. Some people hate Joe Biden, right? So it's just all of this political, just, it's just infested. So if that infestation gets inside of your company, which I don't see how you would have stopped it, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix it? Because if you don't fix it, it's going to cost you production. Because if two people are getting along, if Anna and I can't stand each other, right, how is that going to help when we're, when we're working together in a production team to create a product or a service? However, if, if Anna and I have love and respect for each other and we really like each other and we're working together as a team, it stands to reason. Are we going to be more productive? 
Well, of course we are. Duh. So again, so how does the CEO fix that? Well, that's yeah. one way they, they do that. You know, they, they do, they get to get togethers all the time. Most corporations have events that they mm -hmm. do two or three times a year. And they try to figure out bringing in all these people to show, what is it? People don't know. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really takes hold. And you see some companies out there that have mastered it. Some haven't. So if you don't master that part, your production, your, you know, your profitability is going to be lower than a company that has figured out how to create an incredible mindset and culture for their company. Right. And creating that culture, uh, it's very challenging and not every, you know, leader knows how to motivate their employees and team members. And what's important is to give people what what's good for them what's beneficial for them what would bring the best out of them right so you want to create that uh space that uh setting and those experiences for people to feel safe to open up to uh to feel like they belong right and then they connect with the same like you said mission together when they feel like this is uh you know a good uh thriving place for me to be in and those are the people that uh have the same vision as me and oh, now together we can build more together as a team yep because if you're not moving as a unit then again production's going to go down um and that's and that's where you know i say all the time look what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. You're just not going to go hire a motivational speaker. And I don't care how good they are. You put them on stage and let them talk for an hour. That's great, but it's going to wear off. And if we come back, they, they've done tests on this. They've actually back in, I think it was 2018, they went out to a whole bunch of different events and they interviewed about 18,000 people, which I thought was pretty phenomenal. And they, and pretty much they found across the board that if you come back a couple of weeks after they've been to an event, they, number one, they very rarely even remember the name of the keynote speaker. And number two, they don't have any takeaways from what that speaker was to say. Well, you do a firewalk and you do it the way I incorporate the board. I incorporate a board break with it too, right? So we show them a martial arts move. They break a board. Uh, we have them write some things on the front of the board, the back of the board. And then from there, um, uh, uh, we take them out to the firewalk. They do the firewalk. And then um, they, they throw their boards into the fire um, after the firewalk. And then I do something really magical where I get all of the people that are at this event, I, I calibrate their hearts, meaning I get all of their hearts to start beating at the same time. It is one of the most phenomenal experiences that's out there. So when you take the board break, the firewalk, the ho'oponopono, and the heart hug all at the same time at one event, and you do that on a Saturday, when they come to work on Monday, they're a different group of people. They're like, I, I kind of like, uh, it's kind of like fish in the sea, right? When you first get them, they're swimming all over the place, right? They're jumping and doing everything. And then the next thing, you know, after we do this experience with them, they're all swimming together. They all move as a unit. And that's really what the CEO or, or a company uh, really needs. And then, you know, and then there's other things that we can do too down the road. But that firewalk really, really, really connects to all the people. It's a phenomenal experience.
Yes, and uh, I'm, you know, so glad that you shared uh, those type of services that you can do. And if somebody wants to find you in online space, how they can find you? Uh, well, well, thank you for asking that. I appreciate that very much. Um, we have a couple things going on. We have, um, we have the Firewalk company where we'll come put on the Firewalk for you. I also run what's called the Dave Albin Firewalk Academy. And basically what the academy is, I do it once a year, it comes up in October, is that people can come to us and I teach them all of this so they can go back in their business and, and facilitate these experiences. So if they're a really big company, they'll send somebody from their HR department, you know, somebody that maybe does corporate training on the inside of that company. Again, they come to us, we show them all these experiences, how to create powerful metaphoric stories in and around the experiences. And then we send them back to their company and I work one-on-one -on -one with them to help them facilitate in their own companies. Um, some people are coaches. Uh, some people are trainers. And mm -hmm. so they'll come to us and they'll spend a week with us and we'll, we'll train them. And then they can go back in their coaching business um, and, and facil facilitate uh, these experiences as well. So that's the Dave Albin Firewalk Academy. And then we have Firewalk uh, Adventures and Firewalk Productions. And again, that's where they hire us to come put on these events for them. So to find all of that is that all they'd have to do is go to Firewalk Adventures. That's one word, firewalkadventures.com. And my contact information is there, my phone number, my calendar. And so if they want to talk to us, they can click on my calendar, create a discovery call, and uh, I'll get on the phone with them. And we can, we typically, um, uh, we, we design the firewalk around whatever's going on for them, right? So if they're launching a new product, or they're creating a shift in their culture, or they're leveling up and they just want to raise their the self-worth, self-confidence and self-belief about their people, then again, we custom design that firewalk around whatever's going on in that company at that time. Wow. Thank you so much. And I'll also include it in episode description as well. And in closing, uh, Dave, what would be your best advice for those who are still struggling and uh, in the same place where you've been in, you know, a few years ago, where you still were lost and, and unsure what the life holds for you? What would be the best advice you can tell those people um, so they could know that there is a light in, a, in the end of the tunnel? Um, this too will pass. Um, mm -hmm. you know, no matter how bad things are going on in your life, this too will pass. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes things are going really well in life, right? This too will pass. And so you have to find the, 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 the middle spot of that, right? Because typically in my life, you know, life is never as good as it seems. Life is never as bad as it seems. Reality is somewhere in the middle. And the bottom line is that everything that happens in our lives, no matter what it is, good or bad, we create a story. We're, we're the architect of that, right? So if you're going to design your life, then create a masterpiece. Because you've got your finger on the on an on off switch. You've got your fingers on the volume. You can turn it up or turn it down. And I say all the time, if, if you, if you want to change your life, change your story and create a better story and create a story that's authentic and it's real. Don't embellish and don't make up a bunch of stuff about you know things that are not true um and, and what i've 
found is that, you know, Dave goes, I get all this all the time. So Dave, you go out there and you tell them about how badly of a, what a horrible person you were that, you know, you were into drugs and violence and guns and prostitution and, and, and drug addicts and drug, you know, all of that. And you tell them about you. And I go, yep, I sure do. And I tell them that because as an alcohol, as a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, I can tell you that if I talk to a thousand people in an audience, probably close to 60 to 70% could use my help at some level, yeah. right? They either have a relative, a friend, somebody they know that's suffering from drugs and, and, and alcohol. And I'm raising my hand again, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. And I'd say this in the final, final thought, stop looking for heroes and be one. Yes, and everything starts with you and your decision to make the best out of your life. 100%. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and wisdom. My pleasure, Anna. And uh, we'll be in touch. Thank cool. you. Thanks for having me, and I really appreciate being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, Follow my show and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. To check out Intern Store, go to internpodcast.com. Stay tuned.